On our last broadcast, we began to talk about the question of drunkenness and whether there was any hope for a drunkard. And I said at that time there's no hope apart from Jesus Christ because apart from Christ, everybody looks upon drunkenness as either a sickness or something genetic or something like that. But I pointed out that the scriptures treat drunkenness as a sin, as unrighteousness as Paul calls it in 1 Corinthians 6, 9. But the very fact that the Bible treats drunkenness as a sin is where the hope come, comes from. It's not cruel to call drunk, drunk, drunkenness a sin. It's not true, uh, cruel to say to a drunkard, you have been rebelling and sinning against your creator. This is the kindest thing that can be done for him because Jesus Christ didn't come to deal with our genes and change them. He didn't come to take away our sicknesses, but he did come to deal with our sins. And so Jesus Christ deals with drunkenness. As it says in 1 Corinthians 6, 11, such were some of you, but you are washed, you are cleansed, you are sanctified by the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ can put drunkenness in the past for every drunkard who comes to him and does what he says to do about it. Now the first thing that a person must do, of course, is to trust Jesus Christ as his Savior. If he's not a Christian and he's a drunkard, there's no hope outside of trusting him, recognizing that he's a sinner and coming and saying, first of all, I know that I rebelled against you, Lord, and I believe that you sent your Son to die for me on the cross, bearing the guilt and the penalty that I deserve for my sins. When a man really says that, meaning that, depending upon what Jesus did on the cross, depending upon the resurrection from the dead as the sign that that sacrifice on the cross was acceptable to God. When a man really believes this and really depends upon what Jesus Christ did, the minute he does, his sins are forgiven. And he is now in a position where the Holy Spirit dwells within him, where the Word of God comes alive to him and he can understand the Bible for the first time meaningfully where he has the power of God in the person of the Holy Spirit dwelling within him to enable him to be a new person. Now he can listen to Ephesians 5:18, which gives a clear-cut program for dealing with drunkenness. Let's turn to that. Here we read, Don't get drunk with wine, for that is ruin, but be filled with the Spirit. We have a direct command in this passage not to get drunk as Christians. Any Christian who is a drunkard is disobeying God's command, dishonoring God and dishonoring the Spirit of God by ruining, as this passage says, the temple of that Spirit, his body. The passage clearly points out that ruin is the ultimate end of drunkenness. And everybody who has been on that long skid, who has known what it means to go down that path, knows that the path always leads, sooner or later, to utter destruction and ruin for himself, for his family, for his business, for everything. The Bible is very realistic about drunkenness. But notice what it says, don't get drunk with wine, for that leads to ruin, but be filled with the Spirit. The answer to drunkenness is not simply breaking the habit. It's not a matter of focusing upon 
the bottle alone. And most of those who have failed in helping a drunkard, or most drunkards who have failed in trying to kick the habit, have failed simply because they have tried to break a habit. The Bible never talks about breaking habits. It always talks about replacing the habit. And here we have not only the put-off, but we have the put-on. Here we have the two-sided picture once again. Don't get drunk with wine, but, here's the positive side, be filled with the Spirit. There's a negative and there's a positive. There's a put-off and there's a put-on. There is something that must go, but there is something that must come. And too many people who have tried just to quit drunkenness found that it was a matter of sweeping the house clean only to find seven new demons move in next week. This says, the house that is swept clean of the drunkenness must be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now what does that mean? Is that some kind of mystical thing that we're talking about here? No, not at all. Let's try to understand what Paul is expressing to us. First of all, when one is drunk with wine, he is dominated by wine. To be drunk means to be under the control, under the domination, under the influence, as we often say, of wine. It has such control, such power, such dominance in the person's life that this is the most dominant characteristic about him. He's drunk. It affects everything he does. It affects his speech. It affects his walk. It affects his judgment. It affects his sense of timing as he drives a car. It affects, well, you just name it. And his drunkenness gets into every area of his life. If he gets drunk, his wife chews him out, and he feels bad for that, and so he hits the bottle. Well, he's got a hangover the next day, and he doesn't do a very good job at work, and his boss chews him out, so he comes home and hits the bottle and then gets in trouble with his wife. He gets in trouble with his wife, so he goes out of the house and goes to his cronies who sit around and drink, and he drinks some more. And so his whole life is tangled up. His associations are de deal with this matter, and this matter gets into whom his associates are. His physical life is influenced by it. His business life is under its control and under its dominating, ruining influence. His family, his church, every area of his life is influenced by and being influenced by that drunkenness, by the bottle, by wine. Now, if he's ever going to be changed, he needs to be filled by the Spirit. Just as the wine fills his life and dominates every part of that life, so his life must become filled instead by the Spirit who must dominate every part of his life. And the Spirit of God doesn't do this in some vague, mysterious, ethereal, or magical way. He does it through his Word, the Bible, which he gave to us. So that a man wants to, if a man wants to get off of drunkenness, if a Christian believes in Jesus Christ and now wants to shed this terrible enslaving habit, he doesn't just quit, he does that. But he starts looking at his relationship to his wife and starts to become spirit-influenced in that by doing what the Bible says about that relationship to his wife, to his children, to his body, getting enough sleep, what kind of associates he, li he lives with and spends his time with day by day, and whether he goes to church and whether he reads his Bible and whether he prays or not and whether he does a good job at work and what his relationship is and here and there and everywhere around the whole circle of his life he must now get the Spirit filling out his life by doing what the Spirit says in his word, 
the Bible in each area of his life. As drunkenness dominated and filled out and controlled and influenced every part of his life, so now the Spirit through the Scriptures must influence every part of his life. So if you're helping a drunkard, or if you are a drunkard who wants to get off of this, you must know Christ as your Savior. But then you must look at every area of your life and strengthen each area by doing as God says in his word in each one. Lord, there are drunks listening today. There are people who live with them or who care for them. Help them all, Lord, to turn to Christ and to find in the power of changing the whole of one's life the power to put drunkenness behind once and forever for Christ's sake. Amen. <laughs>